This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Hello and welcome to ILTV's Zion News on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up in today's newscast, the Israeli Prime Minister slams the U.S. Secretary of State for a controversial speech. Israel approves the construction of a new settlement building in East Jerusalem, and the Jewish state opens its doors to even more foreign entrepreneurs. I'm Natasha Kirchak here with the latest news in Israel. Tensions are higher than ever between the United States and Israel following a controversial speech by the U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry on what needs to be done to address the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But now I must express my deep disappointment with the speech today of John Kerry, a speech that was almost as unbalanced as the anti-Israel resolution passed at the U.N. last week. In a speech ostensibly about peace between Israelis and Palestinians, Secretary Kerry paid lip service to the unremitting campaign of terrorism that has been waged by the Palestinians against the Jewish state for nearly a century. What he did was to spend most of his speech blaming Israel for the lack of peace by passionately condemning a policy of enabling Jews to live in their historic homeland and in their eternal capital, Jerusalem. Netanyahu says Israel does not need to be lectured about peace by foreign leaders, especially since the Jewish state has sought peace with the Palestinians from day one. Israelis do not need to be lectured about the importance of peace by foreign leaders. Israel's hand has been extended in peace to its neighbors from day one, from its very first day. We prayed for peace. We've worked for it every day since then. The Prime Minister then expressed his deep disappointment with U.S. President Barack Obama, which is why he says he's looking forward to a Trump presidency. Secretary Kerry said that the United States cannot vote against its own policy. But that's exactly what it did at the U.N. And that's why Israel opposed last week's Security Council resolution, because it effectively calls the Western Wall occupied Palestinian territory because it encourages boycotts and sanctions against Israel. That's what it effectively does. And because it reflects a radical shift in U.S. policy towards the Palestinians on final status issues, those issues that we always agreed, the U.S. and Israel, have to be negotiated directly, face-to-face, without preconditions. That shift happened despite the Palestinians walking away from peace and from peace offers time and time again, despite their refusal to even negotiate peace for the past eight years, and despite the Palestinian Authority inculcating a culture of hatred towards Israel in an entire generation of young Palestinians. Israel looks forward to working with President-elect Trump and with the American Congress, Democrats and Republicans alike, to mitigate the damage 
that this resolution is done and ultimately to repeal it. Netanyahu then concluded with a poignant call for the Palestinians to fully recognize Israel and to stop inciting violence against the Jewish people so that a true peace can be achieved. My vision is that Israelis and Palestinians both have a future of mutual recognition, of dignity, mutual respect, coexistence. But the Palestinian Authority tells them that they will never accept and should never accept the existence of a Jewish state. So I ask you, how can you make peace with someone who rejects your very existence? Kerry's remarks and Netanyahu's reply mark the closing chapter of an increasingly bitter relationship between Washington and Jerusalem over the past eight years, amid serious clashes ranging from Israeli building policies to the 2015 Iranian nuclear accord. The Palestinian president has responded to Kerry's speech on a positive note, saying that he still thinks peace with Israel is attainable as long as Israel halts settlement building before negotiations restart. His chief negotiator, Saeb Erekat, relayed that message in a speech last night. President Mahmoud Abbas followed with great interest tonight Secretary of State John Kerry's speech and reiterated his full commitment to adjust peace as a strategic option and said the minute the Israeli government agrees to seize all settlement activities, including in East Jerusalem, and agrees to implement on the basis of reciprocity agreement signed that the Palestinian leadership stands ready to resume permanent status negotiations on the basis of international law, relevant international legality resolutions, including the recent Security Council Resolution 2334-2016. The Israeli Prime Minister has already been quick to speak out against Kerry's speech, claiming the U.S. Secretary of State is being biased against the Jewish state. For 70 minutes, Kerry warned that the future of a two-state solution to the Middle East conflict was at risk. Despite our best efforts over the years, the two-state solution is now in serious jeopardy. The truth is that trends on the ground, violence, (coughs) terrorism, incitement, settlement expansion, and the seemingly endless occupation They are combining to destroy hopes for peace on both sides and increasingly cementing an irreversible one-state reality that most people do not actually want. Kerry also condemned Palestinian violence, which he said included hundreds of terrorist attacks in the past year. But he also vigorously defended Washington's abstention during the December 23rd vote on the UN's anti-settlement resolution. And if we had vetoed this resolution just the other day, the United States would have been giving license to further unfettered settlement construction that we fundamentally oppose. So we reject the criticism that this vote abandons Israel. On the contrary, it is not this resolution that is isolating Israel. It is the permanent policy of settlement construction that risks making peace impossible. So how are actual Israelis and Palestinians on the ground feeling about the controversy over John Kerry's speech? Both groups have been carefully watching the drama unfold, and here's what some are thinking. 
Many Israelis firmly insist they have the right to build homes in the biblical Jewish homeland, promised to them by God. We will arise and build, and we will continue to be obedient to God and, and this tremendous promise and that he's given us, the land of Israel. So we will not be deterred. We will arise and build and give glory to God. Amen and amen. Other residents say they'd like to see Israel comply with several of Kerry's key points by taking a more active role rather than being forced to deal with international dictates. Well, I think I agree with the substance of, uh, what, of what John Kerry has said, but I think that um, Israel, it's in Israel's interest to ensure that a two-state solution is possible, but not um, at the behest of the UN. And I think that it's in Israel's interest to preempt um, any further UN action by taking it upon itself to make sure that it enables the possibility of a two-state solution so that this kind of, so that the rest of the world doesn't feel like it needs to ramp up the diplomacy and force Israel into a position that might uh, be difficult for it. One Jerusalemite stresses that he believes the outgoing U.S. administration is focused on the larger picture and often clashes with the Netanyahu government for doing what it should by putting the best interests of Israeli people first. I think what John Kerry was saying was very much on a global perspective of what's important for Israel and his views on what a two-state solution is, is about how the world thinks that this issue and all the dilemmas that are facing Israel can be fixed. But I think when Bibi Netanyahu speaks and what John Kerry is attacking is Bibi's actually putting the needs of Israel first and he's looking at how the Israeli people can be protected in such a difficult situation. Meanwhile, in the West Bank city of Bethlehem, some Palestinians were following Kerry's speech with optimism. I think this is the speech that we've always heard uh, from uh, Kerry and from the uh, American uh, uh, government. Uh, we hope uh, on some of the items that they have talked about, uh, specifically on the two-state solution, uh, it is very important for, uh, for us as Palestinians and many as Israelis. And uh, this, uh, you know, the, the vote that they did at the uh, United Nations uh, last week was, was a great uh, step, and I hope that they will follow through in order to stop the, uh, the, the settlements uh, in Palestine in order to get to the two-state solution. Others disagreed, even saying they feel the speech was insulting to Palestinians. For now, both Israelis and Palestinians continue to live on the same land that remains in dispute. They don't even agree on its name. 570,000 Israeli residents use only the names Judea and Samaria as a territory was known in the Bible, while the more than 2.6 million Palestinians who also live there exclusively refer to it as the West Bank. Right before John Kerry gave his controversial speech, there was a lot of confusion as to whether the Jerusalem Planning Commission was going to approve even more Jewish projects in East Jerusalem or delay a vote on the issue. Well, the committee did go ahead and greenlight one building, but held off on the construction for hundreds of others. 
The Jerusalem Municipal Committee pulled back from approving 492 new homes. After they say Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu asked for a delay so as not to provide even more fuel to the Secretary of State's anti-building argument. But the committee reportedly forged ahead nonetheless by granting permission for one four-story building that's now being condemned by local groups opposed to such projects. So today we've been watching a masterful shell game being played. Uh, This morning, hundreds of building permit approvals were removed from the agenda of the local committee. And this afternoon, the local committee approved a permit for a new building in Batnal Hawas Sawan. The impact is uh, corrosive both to the Palestinian community, the people living in it, the fabric of the community, um, all of the Palestinian neighborhoods around the historic basin, and also imperils a two-state solution by consolidating Israeli control of the old city and historic basin in lieu of and in advance of any kind of negotiations that might might take place in the future. Many Israeli leaders remain insistent that Israel has the right to build on its own sovereign nation and are furious the Obama administration failed to block the passage of the latest anti-settlement resolution from the UN Security Council. Here's part of the message Education Minister Naftali Bennett had for Kerry just ahead of the American diplomat's policy speech. Secretary Kerry, a few days ago, the United Nations Security Council voted for a shameful resolution, a resolution that essentially says that Jerusalem is occupied territory. Well, Jerusalem was the Jewish capital 3,000 years ago. It's in the Bible. Just open it up. No UN resolution and no speech can change the fact that Jerusalem has always been and will always be the Jewish eternal capital. After the passage of the contentious UN resolution 2334 last weekend, the relationship between Israel and several other countries has greatly been strained. Here to talk about his former host country and the fallout from passing the resolution is the former Israeli ambassador to New Zealand, Yosef Livni. Ambassador, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. So let's start with the big question. Why do you think New Zealand decided to sponsor this bill? Well, New Zealand has been on the record for quite a number of years as wishing to what they call to move forward the peace process. Uh, They've been talking about it, to the best of my knowledge, for at least three years, maybe longer than that. And uh, as everybody knows, for the last two years there were members of the Security Council, non-permanent members, And basically, even before they were elected, they hinted that they would want to uh, bring forward a draft resolution concerning the peace process. So uh, I guess uh, the feeling there was that it was getting close to the end of the mandate, namely 31st of December, and probably they saw an opportunity Uh, to bring forward this project uh, 
Of course, uh, they, were, they were not the only ones. There were a number of co-sponsors. They were one of them. And uh, it is consistent with the position that has been espoused by their foreign minister. Now, what has the relationship between New Zealand and Israel been like until now? Basically, they're good relations. Let us remember, we are worlds apart. It takes two days to get to New Zealand. It is very far away. When you judge the relationship, you have to ask yourself, okay, what does it constitute? Trade? We don't have that much trade. We try to promote cultural exchange, maybe academic exchange. But uh, on the whole, it is not like the kind of relationship that New Zealand has or we have, for that matter, with other countries closer to home. The, the New Zealanders have free trade agreement with China. China is a major market for their main export, which is dairy products and meat. Australia. We're on the other side of the world. Our main uh, partners are Europe, United States, Japan, China. So, so I guess the repercussions of choosing to sponsor this bill weren't really a main concern uh, for the New Zealand representative at the UN. I think, I think that they feel that sponsoring anything that has to do with the peace process, the way they see it, should not be construed as, as taking position, but rather making sure that the issue of the peace process in the Middle East remains on the agenda. Now, when Prime Minister started, you know, Prime Minister Netanyahu, he started calling back ambassadors uh, to reprimand them after the passing of this bill. Were you in any way involved? I know you were formerly an ambassador, but I... No, I wasn't. But <laughs> let me uh, just share with our audience that two years ago, more or less, a year and a half ago, during the campaign in Gaza, uh, and I came back from Israel. I was here on a holiday. My, my son had his bar mitzvah. But I came back and I found myself facing people calling for my expulsion. Not me personally, but the ambassador. In diplomatic ties, recalling ambassador is one way of showing discontent. There are several ways in which countries can show or express their displeasure with positions taken by other countries. One of them is recalling the ambassador for consultations. Uh, no, as I said, I was not involved, but... But this I, is a method that is being it used. It is a method it. that has been used by other countries as well. And um, <laughs> this is the way the, the government chose right. to express its displeasure. So here's my final question for you. How do you think the relationship between New Zealand and Israel is going to look from now on following what has taken place? Look, uh, New Zealand and Israel are both members of several important associations, the OECD. We are founding members of what is known as the Small Advanced Economies Forum, which are several countries that share size, but at the same time, advanced economies. So, obviously the question is, do we want to uh, be annoyed with each other for a long time, or are we going to be satisfied with having stated our positions and move forward 
in those areas where we have commonality of interests. I don't think New Zealand is a hostile country. I think they have their position, we have our position. And in diplomacy, the best way is to talk about these differences, to see if we can find common ground. And if we cannot find common ground, at least agree to disagree and see where we can move forward on those issues in which we do share a common view. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Ambassador. Thank you. And I guess we're going to just have to see uh, what happens between uh, the two countries. Thank you very much for having me. Meanwhile, U.S. President-elect Donald Trump is hammering both the Obama administration and the U.N. for their stances toward Israel and vowing that will all change when he takes office. Aaron, what do you think is going to happen? Well, judging from, you know, Trump's fairly consistent pro-Israel rhetoric, and the company he keeps and, and, you know, their outspoken attitudes, I think what we're going to see is a very different relationship between Israel and the United States. The incoming Republican leader tweeted that the U.S. cannot continue to let Israel be treated with such total disdain and disrespect. He followed that up with a post that the great friendship the Jewish state once had with the U.S., quote, is no more, starting with the horrible Iran deal. Trump then slammed the Obama administration and the U.N. for condemning Jewish settlements. During remarks to the press in his longest Q&A session since being elected to office, Trump said that Israel is being treated extremely unfairly, while nations which treat people horribly are being completely overlooked. He refused to comment on the Netanyahu government's building policies, but instead repeated that he's very, very strong on Israel. And in yet another tweet, Trump wrote, Stay strong, Israel. January 20th is fast approaching, in reference to the day he'll be taking over the White House. Meanwhile, despite Trump's negative remarks about the UN, the world body's incoming Secretary General Antonio Guterres says he'd like to meet with the president-elect as soon as possible in an effort to establish a constructive dialogue. The Prime Minister also officiated a far more somber ceremony today, inaugurating a new online database the authorities very much hope will finally help offer some closure to the painful questions over the fate of Yemenite children that many believe disappeared in the early days of the state. The public now has full access to an astounding 400,000 pages of documents the state has declassified in an effort to end the controversy. Netanyahu expressed what's being felt by much of the country, saying that today a historical wrong has been righted. Since the 1950s, more than 1,000 families who immigrated to Israel have been insisting their children were abducted by the authorities for adoption purposes. The claimants are primarily from Yemen, although there are also dozens from the Balkans, North Africa, and other Middle Eastern countries. Three separate committees investigating the case over several decades have all concluded that most of the missing children died at medical facilities and were buried without family notification. But now for the first time, relatives can examine testimonies and other findings, some of which have been sealed in state archives for nearly seven decades concerning their lost loved ones. If you have a great high-tech concept that you'd like to develop, you're going to be really excited to hear about a fantastic new program Israel's offering for entrepreneurs from abroad. Aaron, give us a sneak peek on what to expect. Well, uh, as I'm sure you know, Israel has never exactly been blessed with uh, as many natural resources and, and you know, things that we can export uh, as other countries may have. So what we do have is intellectual capital and intellectual market that is really competitive. So what we're seeing here, and, and I'll talk about it in my report, is one of the ways that the Israeli government 
keeps that competitive edge. The Israel Innovation Authority is responsible for coming up with policies that help manage resources to better promote the country's technological ecosystem. As part of its latest plan, geniuses from overseas are being invited to come live in the Israeli startup nation for two years so they can actually make their dream initiatives come true. The framework is specifically geared towards helping inventors with their good ideas at a, quote, pre-seed stage. The lucky participants will be introduced to Israel's technological infrastructure and business world. They'll even have the opportunity to actually open their own companies in Israel, which would entitle them to expert visas to extend their stays in the Jewish state for up to five years. Organizers say this win-win track will attract high-quality candidates to bring their knowledge, experience, and groundbreaking ideas to Israel from all over the world, which will in turn further strengthen the country's position as a world leader in innovation and entrepreneurship. And now for our Hebrew word of the day. All this news about the UN Security Council resolution, alleged United States collusion, and many other impossibly frustrating situations brings us to tonight's word matzben, meaning annoying or frustrating in Hebrew. A lot of things make us atzbani, or annoyed. When your dog gets excited on a walk and pulls your arm out of its socket, you can say ezim atzben, or how annoying. When your friends cancel plans at the last minute, zimazim atzben, or it's super frustrating. The good news is that with every morning comes a new day, and luckily for us here in Israel, tomorrow morning is also the weekend. The perfect time to let go of kol advarim amatzbenim, or all of those frustrating things. All right, let's go ahead and take a look at the weather forecast. ILTV's weather forecast is sponsored by Adopt-a-Safta, taking care of Israel's lonely Holocaust survivors. Tonight should be partly cloudy with a chance of light rain and a low of 50 or 10 degrees Celsius. You can expect the weekend to cool down through Saturday with chances of rain and an average high temperature of 59 degrees Fahrenheit or 15 degrees Celsius. All right, everybody, that's it for today's news. Today's exchange rate is 3.85 shekels to the American dollar. Remember to sign up for our daily newsletter at ILTV.TV. Thanks for watching and see you tonight.